ever since becoming a pastor is my involvement in something called a Live to Six group. Um, this group is composed of about eight guys um, from all around the state, and most of us are youth pastors. Um, we meet at Camp Timberlee about once every three months or so. Um, and it's really cool because we um, sit down and we study the life of Christ. And we, we read through the Gospels and ask ourselves, what did Jesus do in his ministry? How did Jesus minister to his disciples and to the world around him? And we ask, how can we apply those principles to the way that we serve in the church? Um, and that's just really cool, just seeing the other insights of the other guys and, and just talking and um, seeing what they have to say. But I think the best part of these two six group is hanging out with the guys afterwards. You see, we stay overnight at this camp, and after we're done studying, um, we have fun activities. Like we played broom ball, um, which is like hockey, but you don't have skates, and you don't have hockey sticks, you have brooms. And it's like the most fun you'll ever have falling and on the ice. It's, it's kind of fun. Um, we also did the high ropes course um, at Timberley. Um, we went and saw a Badgers game during March Madness, and we had a couple airsofts, airsoft battles. Um, maybe in the room, but maybe not. Um, well, one of them was in the room. The other one was outside after the, the second time. We're like, you guys should probably take that outside. So <laughs> you didn't hear that from me. Um, but uh, this 2-6 group was an awesome experience of being with the other guys who love Jesus as much as I do and want to grow in their relationship with him. Every time I left my 2-6 group, I felt refreshed and encouraged um, and with a clear picture of how to do ministry. And it was in that community that I feel like the Holy Spirit stepped on the gas pedal in my spiritual growth. Right now, we're in the middle of a sermon series called The Battle for the Heart, where we're looking at what are some of the ways that God causes us to grow. In the first week, we talked about how we can't grow on ourselves, right? That's foolishness. Spiritual growth is God's job. It's him that does the growing, and we have to trust him and allow him to do it. Then we said we we're going to talk about a few weapons that God gives us to help us to win the battle for the heart. And last week we talked about how the first weapon was the Holy Spirit, that God gives us the Holy Spirit to help us to grow. And our job is that when the Holy Spirit reveals things to us, we need to obedient, to be obedient and to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to talk about the second weapon that God gives us to help us to win the battle for the heart. And it's one of the biggest ways that God used the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's our relationship with other believers. I was curious about what the Bible had to say about our relationship with other believers. So I decided to read through the New Testament. Here's what I found. All 21 epistles, which are the letters um, written to the church for instructions on how they should function. All 21 epistles contain instruction and encouragement for believers to live with one another and um, to grow through the Christian community. That's 21 out of the 27 books in the Bible. And I think five of the other ones, which are the four Gospels and Acts, model it. They show how Jesus, when he was with his disciples, um, made communities with, within his disciples. And he was encouraging his disciples to discuss and to live life together. 
in, in just the way that he ministered by taking those 12 guys and literally living with them for three years. He created a community for the disciples to grow and to become the apostles that he would send out after he left this world. We also see this community modeled in the book of Acts with the stories of what the church looked like at its inception. So that's 26 out of 27 books in the New Testament contain this idea that we as believers should live in community with one another. I want to take some time now to look at what the New Testament tells us about, the com- about community and see how we can be equipped to get involved in this community. First, I want to invite you guys to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, and we are going to start in verse 4. While you guys are turning that, um, I'd like to pray for this morning's message. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful for your word that you give us instruction and you teach us how you want us to live as your children. Father, I pray that as we crack open your word, you would open our hearts and enable us and prepare us to study your word. Open our hearts and help us to receive what you want us to receive. Lord, we pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit right now and Help me to speak only what you want to hear. And that this would not be me just thinking stuff, but that you would help me to speak the, the truth that you want to be said this morning. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. We see from this passage that there is diversity in the body of Christ. I'm not talking about racial diversity. I'm talking about a diversity of talents. I'm talking about a diversity of our passions, a diversity of life experience, diversity of Bible knowledge, diversity of worship styles. We have a diversity in our struggles, and we have a diversity of perspectives, right? Every single one of us in this room is different. We all bring different things to the table, and this diversity is caused by the Holy Spirit. It's a good thing. The Holy Spirit also, as a body, we have been given diverse spiritual gifts to empower us to do ministry. Diversity in the body is the idea that we have all been equipped differently through how God made us, how we have experienced life, and how the Holy Spirit works through us. It's like these two different glasses. You can see how they are different colors. Just like these two glasses, we are all unique. And we have different things that have gone into us in the past. God has made us differently, and God, with the Holy Spirit, has empowered us differently for ministry. And this is a great thing. This is awesome. We are supposed to have this diversity. Let's read on now in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 7, which states, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This verse is talking about how as believers we all have the Holy Spirit. And we talked about last week about how the Holy Spirit 
drives us to obedience. And we talked more about that last week. But the point I want to draw out this week is that you don't have the Holy Spirit just to help you grow. And I don't have the Holy Spirit so that I grow. I have the Holy Spirit so that we as a body can grow. And the Holy Spirit has been given to you so that we as a body of believers can grow. It's not about our individual growth. It's about our community growth. In the very way that we are created and empowered by the Spirit, we are supposed to live life with others around us and we're to grow together. It's this idea that Christianity is not just a single person sport. It's a team sport and we're supposed to work together and help each other grow. Ephesians 4, 11 through 6 tells us why and how this happens. So I encourage you to turn a few pages over to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 11 through 16, which states, So Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers, to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of his Son and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Christ, who is the head, that is Christ. We see from this passage that the Holy Spirit empowers us differently to grow the body, and we're to use our spiritual gifts for serving in the church. And the result is the maturity of the entire body. The key concept here is sharing. We share what the Holy Spirit has revealed to us, and the body grows with us. When the Spirit reveals something insightful from God's Word, we come and we share that with other believers. When the Spirit um, gives us an experience in life, we go and we tell other people about it. When somebody is struggling in their walk with Christ, and it's something that we've been through before, we come around them and we help them through it. And we share our experiences with them. And because we have been given spiritual gifts, like some of us have teachings, some of us are very hospitable, some of us have the gift of encouragement, we're to use those to edify the community. The use of our gift and the sharing of the Spirit's work in our life causes the body as a whole to grow to maturity. Last week, we started talking about how when we remain obedient to the Holy Spirit, the result is, being, is fruit that is born in our lives. And we mentioned that, that the two categories of fruit are character and influence. Character is about who you are. Growing in character means that you are becoming the person that God wants you to be. Not gratifying the sinful nature of your flesh, but living out the fruits of the Spirit. And we, we see in verses 13 through 15 what this growth in character looks like. 
The first is in thir- verse 13 that we grow in knowledge. That as a body, we, in, our, in our brains, we start to understand theology. We start to understand more what Christ has done for us. And then in verse 14, we grow in stability. That when the difficulties of life come, we as a community become better at being faithful to Christ and not wandering away, but that our life becomes more stable. And then in verse 15, the ultimate goal is that we become like Christ, that we start to look like Jesus. And this concept of growing in character is described more in Galatians chapter 5. We don't have time to look at these verses this morning, but I want to encourage you to find some time this week and read through Galatians 5 and ask yourself, how can I grow in this character and how can I help the people around me to grow in character? So that's what character is. It's about who you are. Influence is simply helping others to grow in their character. It's recognizing that not only can we personally benefit from engaging in community, but others benefit from our presence as well. It's like coming back to these cups. It's this idea that we all have different life experiences and we're all different. And when we are given something by the Holy Spirit, we pour that into somebody else. And it changes them a little bit and they grow from it. And then when they learn something from the Holy Spirit, they share it with us. And then we grow a little bit. And then we learn some more. And then we grow a little bit. And then they share with us. And over time, from this continuous pouring into each other through community, we become something that's completely unique. And the result is that we all grow into something far greater than we were before. And that's how community works. Each of us brings our spiritual gifts, our perspectives, and our passions, and they combine to make us something better than we were individually. It's a concept called synergy. Synergy is when two things work together and produce a result that is greater than the sum of their individual parts. And that is the idea and the, the reason for the Christian community. So the question is, how should this look practically? What does this look like in our life? And I think there are many practical things that go into Christian community, and I want to highlight two of them today. And I think the most important reason to be in Christian community is connectedness. It's the idea that we've become Velcroed to other people and they help us. Um, we have these bibs that we use for Luke. And they're really cool. You see, they go around his arms. It's not like a normal bib that just goes around his neck. These things like engulf his arms and completely put his entire body in this protective bib. It's pretty sweet because it saves a big mess for Chris and I. And I like that because I'm not the biggest fan of cleaning up after the messes of Luke. Um, but I was throwing one of these in the washing machine. I had it just like this, and I was throwing it in my, the washing machine, and Krista was nearby, and she saw me doing it. She's like, wait, you can't throw it in that way. You see, what ends up happening is the Velcro that's on this can get stuck to other articles of clothing, and it can actually cause rips in other clothes. 
And it dulls the Velcro and lessens its ability to stick to one another. And so not sticking it together can cause damage. And I think community is like that. Like we are designed to be stuck to other Christians. And we're designed to grow through that idea of being Velcroed to other people. And when we aren't, when tough time comes along, we have nobody to help us through it. And it ends up hurting us more than we need to be. But being in a small group and being connected puts us in a place that we, when we are in a need-to-know basis, there are people around us who can help us. Like, there are people that know different scripture than us, right? The Bible's kind of a big book. I've been studying it for a long time, and I don't know everything, right? Um, and I, the same is true probably of all of you. Like, you don't know the entire word, and other people know different parts better and, and lesser. And it's that idea that when we come together, we can share the parts that we know, and we all grow in our knowledge of the Bible. So that when we're sharing our faith and somebody says, well, what about this? And you're like, I don't know. We go to the, the believers that we're Velcroed to and we say, hey, somebody at work brought up this question. I don't get it. Can you guys help me out? And there are people around us that can pour into us and say, hey, here's how I would answer that. And we share our experience in our Bible knowledge in a way that helps us to grow in that situation. When sometimes in our lives there's blind spots, Right? that maybe things that we're doing that aren't good or that we need to grow in. And other people can deliver the truth that needs to be said. And that happens when we're Velcroed to community and that people start to know us well enough to be able to bring those things up and that we become to a place where we're able to trust them with the truth, which isn't always easy to do. But when you get to know people really deeply, you're able to start trusting them and to share the truth of what you need. And they're able to see areas in your life that you need to grow on and share that truth with you. And sometimes when the difficulties of life come and, and the trauma comes, when we're Velcroed to community, the pe- there's people around us that can give us that hug and comfort us and be there through those tough times. So being connected to Christian community is really important. The second reason for being in community is that living in close proximity with other people causes peer pressure. And when that um, community is of people that love Christ and are trying to grow, peer pressure becomes positive. Yes, I know that sounds like an oxymoron. Can peer pressure really be good? Yes, it can. When we're around other people who are living out their faith and and we see other people um, doing what they're supposed to be in their walk with Christ, it helps us to grow along with them. I think of um, my freshman year. I had a roommate named Benji. um, And Benji was a really good friend of mine. um, And he would always have this saying. He'd always be like, I'm not going to lie. Like whenever he was eating his lunch, he'd be eating. He's like, I'm not going to lie. This pizza is really good. He was like, I don't really want to go to class today. I'm not going to lie. And with me being as a roommate and me just being around him, guess what phrase I started to use? (laughs) I started to say, I'm not going to lie all the time. And it's that idea that we start to pick up 
on the things that other people around us are doing. And we need to be connected to community so that we can start picking up on the good things that the people around us are doing. My hope is that you're beginning to see that God desires for you to grow spiritually inside of Christian community. Just like there's a diversity among... among, Sorry. I'm starting to speak a different language. Um, Just like there is diversity among us, there are different types of community. The different types of community vary in size and purpose. There's one-on-one mentoring, which generally has one person who is um, a little more spiritually mature helping somebody who's a little less mature to grow in their faith. There's discipleship groups, which are generally people of three to four, of peers that just want to come together and start talking about God's word together and um, sharing and start trusting one another and, and encouraging one another to grow. There are small groups. Um, we call them life groups here at Freedoms um, that have really an emphasis on relationships. They generally meet once a week in people's homes and people start um, just sharing their life and they study a curriculum and they grow together. There are Bible studies that are usually more content-driven, that are a little bigger, um, that are really important. There's communities called missional communities that are larger, like 40 to 70 people. When a bunch of people come together, they share a meal together, they discuss what God is doing in their life, they pray for one another, and they they hang out and do fun stuff. And then there are church-wide gatherings where the entire church body comes together and does things like, for instance, a church service. Right now would be an example of a church-wide gathering. Now the thing is, with all these different types of community, the Bible doesn't demand that there's one type of community that you need to be to be a part of. And I think because we're diverse, some of us will grow better in different types of community. And that's cool. The idea is that we need to find community that works for us. Because the biblical principle is that we need to be a part of community. And so we need to find a a group and a type of community that helps us to grow best. Generally, the smaller the group, the more growth potential. And so I think we want to be in groups where we can start to trust the people around us. Because, I mean, the truth is, in a service like this, you know, where there's a a big group, a lot of times it's not the best setting to be really deep and have a conversation with people. Like, here's a typical conversation that a lot of people have at church, right? Hey, how are you doing? Which, translation, I recognize your presence in front of me, right? And then a person responds, fine, which usually means I don't know you well enough to share with you how I'm really feeling, right? That happens all the time. And I think when we can get into groups of people that we start to know and trust in a smaller group setting, we start to really grow and start to trust them and experience that growth that the Holy Spirit wants for us in community. And here at Freedens, we put a high value on Christian community and we offer many different ways for you to be involved. The first is Sunday morning classes, which I know you all attended this morning, right? Yeah. All right. Um, We offer three classes, um, and we also have classes, or those three classes are for adults. 
And we also offer classes for junior high, for high school students, and for children. So that you can send your kids somewhere, and then you can go and have um, relationships with other adults in the church. We have men's Bible studies, and we have women's Bible studies. We have youth groups for students and children. During the summer, we have something called Family Fun Nights, where most of the time we meet up at Possibility Playground, and we throw a bunch of brats and hamburgers and other food on the grill, and we just hang out together. The playground's there for the kids, and it gives us an opportunity to have conversations with other believers, and it's a really cool and enriching time. And starting later on in February, we're going to do a life group push called the Easter Experience, where we're starting up um, an opportunity for a bunch of people to be a part of a small group where we study the life of Christ and what he did, especially on his last week. Do you guys remember the um, Not a Fan series that we did last year? Um, It's put on by the same people, and this is going to give you a great opportunity um, to get into community and experience the growth that God has for us. I want to show you guys a preview video of the Easter experience and what it's going to be like. And even if you've heard this story a thousand times, even if you've given up on anything that smells religious, even if you have a dozen different distractions, and even if you just don't care, but you just paint yourself into this story and truly experience it. Let's just go through this together and honestly ask ourselves, so what? Who cares? What's all this mean to me? Let's travel together through this Easter experience and find out for ourselves. What if what happens then changes everything now? So as you can see, it's a very well done video curriculum. And after you watch the video, you spend time with other believers discussing it and asking how does what happened 2,000 years ago apply to our lives today. And it's a really cool um, time. So I encourage you to be a part of that Easter experience. For me, in, in addition to my 2-6 group, I have somebody mentoring me. And I am mentoring someone else. I lead a discipleship group and a Bible study. And I meet with Seth Meeks, who's the youth pastor over at Open Door, and Paul Welch, who's the youth pastor over at Portview. We meet every other Thursday for coffee. And we talk about our lives, our families, our ministry, and we encourage and pray for one another. And it's a really cool, enriching time. And I do all those things because looking back on my life, I can see how being involved in Christian Christian community has been one of the greatest catalysts in my life to help me to follow Christ better. And I want that growth to continue. And so I continue to be a part of these groups and Velcro myself to Christian community. My prayer for you today is that you will take action and get involved in community. 
beyond just the Sunday morning service. And that you will desire to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ along with the rest of the body. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that you love us and that you have saved us and that you want to transform our lives. Lord, we pray that you would help us to become a part of community and that we would learn to be open and honest with other people. Lord, we know that that's not easy, that it's difficult to do and it takes a lot of courage. But Lord, we also know that we don't want to be stagnant in our relationship with you. So we pray that you would help us to find people in the church that we can connect with and that we would start building relationships with them and that they would help us grow and we would help them grow. And through our community that we would start to become like your son, Jesus. Amen.